The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with The Plant Profits, powered by Protus Global. Thank you for joining us here on Plant Profits. Wow, we got a lot to talk about. I'm Vern Davis, uh, your host, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global People Solutions. Thanks again for joining us. I'm looking forward to my conversation today. Uh, my next guest is in venture capital and private equity. Uh, she's doing a lot uh, in this world. She's working in legalized cannabis space. She's also held positions in equity analysis at Goldman Sachs. She worked at State Street. She worked in international equity at Vanguard. Uh, you guys may already know her because she's been highlighted on the Today Show, Forbes, featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Entrepreneur People, Espanol, Business Wire, Chatter, just a lot. I'm talking about my guest today, Cody Sanchez, and Cody is a partner at Entourage Effect Capital, working in legalized cannabis. Cody, good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Vern. Oh, I, I couldn't wait, but I have waited. It's taken a while, huh? <laughs> it has. We finally connect, as we joked about, in the middle of the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, you know, the world was much different when we first thought about getting together and having a conversation on the radio. Isn't that the truth? It's probably the perfect time to be speaking. I think uh, fear never is as helpful as information. So hopefully at least we can partake a little bit of that and give a little bit of that. Uh, I, I, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can. So I don't know if you you remember this, Cody, but... Um, Oh, last year. Do you remember how we, we actually connected? You know, I don't. Tell me. Was it a good story? It's a, it's, it's a real good story. And, and <laughs> hopefully you have, good, you have good thoughts when I mention these guys. So there are a couple partners, Sean Coffel and Pat Dillingham. Oh, my gosh, Vern. Of course I remember meeting you this way. But I didn't remember that you were with Plant Profit. I mean, you, these are like two of my favorite humans of all time. And they adore you. Oh, well, I mean, it, it doesn't cost me much. You know, it, it does <laughs> no, not I think cost those guys are pretty expensive. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Well, they, they came to me and they said, you got to meet Cody. And I said, okay. Okay. And we, we had a conversation. How can I forget uh, your voice, too? You have a great voice. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that. Well, you just did, and I like it. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. But um, I tell you, and um, last year, I was going to meet you briefly because you're so busy all the time, running around, doing things, and we're going to talk about some of the things you do. But uh, I was going to meet you in, in, in San Jose last summer at the, at the convention. And, right. uh, yeah, and, and I had two planes cancel on me on, on the route getting there. 
two planes. Oh, I remember that. So it actually wasn't my fault one no. time. For the record. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But hey, we didn't do that. We didn't meet, but we've been in touch through writing and um yeah, so I, I think that's great. So I, I, I want to I wanna get into, and we're going to get into, during this chat, we're going to get into uh, what you guys are doing at Entourage with that capital. But the, the, the first thing I want to, because your background is so interesting to me, and, and, um, uh, and, and coming out of Georgetown, you know, you, you were in journalism. And I mean, you were in heavy stuff. I mean, you were covering and writing about human trafficking and all kinds of, tell, tell me about the journalism bug and how you got into that and, and, and how that has, has transported you into kind of where you are. You know, it's interesting because I think my stories come a little bit full circle. Okay. Um, you know, I, I started off as a journalist, like you said, covering mm -hmm. narco trafficking and human trafficking and sort of the worst things that can happen to humans uh, as inflictions upon one another. And so I was living in the border um, region at the time in Agua Prieta, which is right across the border um, from Mexico and Arizona, and um, and also living in El Paso Juarez, which is, they mm. call it the city of death, La Ciudad de Muerte, because of um, the horrific uh, violence against women that mm. happens there. Mm. You basically find mutilated women daily um, as that's, you drive across. so uh, sad, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something we really as Americans have a hard time conceptualizing. We would never uh, live under, under these sort of conditions. And, and in Mexico, it's relatively standard. Now the women in Mexico have sort of risen up a little bit more in a fight against the desaparecidas, the disappeared mm. women. And so um, it's really tragic. And so at the time, I was a journalist. And I was mm -hmm. you know, very idealistic. And we wrote some pieces and won a few awards from the, you know, um, the Robert F. Kennedy Award for Print Journalism and the Howard Buffett Grant, um, which is Warren Buffett's son. And so we had our little 15 minutes of fame. But Vern, I remember distinctly the exact moment, I'll never forget it, Okay. that I left journalism. And that was um, when we won these awards, I went back to give some of the money and, and you know, the newspaper clippings at that time mm. and um, give it to the people that we wrote about. And there was one woman in particular, Vern, and she um, was one of the features in a story that I won some awards for, and her name was Carmelita. And okay. she... Um, you know, was in her 80s or 90s, and um, she didn't have very many teeth, and she was left behind by her family when they were trying to cross the border as they got separated, um, you know, running from uh, immigration. And um, she had been separated from her family for more than a decade, mm. and she was kind of slowly losing, you know, her, her awareness, um, probably some type of dementia, and living in this hovel, which was very common for old people all along the border that couldn't make it across. Mm -hmm. And I remember she uh, grabbed my hand when I went to bring her back these items and was so excited and gave me one of those big toothless grins and then said, um, well, now that you have told America about us, they're going to help us, right? Now America knows. Mm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you mm. know, yeah, they know, but 
awareness doesn't change. And so that moment was the one where I said, it's, it's, it's not going to work out for me long term. Just being a journalist, I want to be able to make change, not write about it. Yeah, you felt, uh, you felt responsible for getting that message. Yeah, and, and then there's a point where that's all you could do. And you knew back in your mind, not much may not happen. Exactly. You know, and that was when journalists were supposed to be impartial back in my day, which wasn't that long ago. But um, but so, you know, when you wrote a story, you're supposed to tell it from a stance of impartiality. And that was really hard for me. Now I see the value in it, um, but that was hard for me to do. And so that's why I moved into money and finance, because it is the only thing that really makes change is he who holds the biggest checkbook. Wow. That is that is. That is so true. That is so true. Was it hard to get from there to money? You know, um, I tend to think that uh, you get lucky a lot more frequently when you work hard and put yourself out there consistently to mm-hmm. try to re- meet the right people. And so it was hard in the aspect that I had no idea what I was doing. And if you were to tell me back then to explain a mutual fund even or a stock, I probably couldn't have. Um, so that part was hard. It took a ton of work, but I, when you basically put your mind to something in this day and age, especially in the U S and you leverage your networks to try to meet individuals in that space, I think it really just takes a certain amount of dogged persistence. And Mm -hmm. because competency and hard work are so rare, especially when combined, um, that's all it takes. So that's the secret most people don't tell you is they, they make it a lot harder than they think it is. I think entrepreneurship's really hard, yeah. but um, to get a great job, if you are just competent and hardworking and curious, um, I'm not sure there's much you can't do. I mean, maybe I couldn't be a brain surgeon. That's probably for sure. You know, I think that is uh, really a truism you just made. And that tells me why you were successful in journalism and you could have been really successful in journalism. You're really successful in money, but the elements of that success is exactly what you just laid out. Yeah. I mean, you know, this, you've built a business and and you bring on people and hire people every day for your business. And then of course for, you know, thousands of clients and, I've, I've only hired, you know, let's say a couple hundred people over my career. Um, but it's a lot. The, it's a lot. The, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more than I want to believe me. People are hard. Um, but, uh, but the part that has astounded me so often is very seldom have I ever found, I think someone who is just incompetent at a job can't mm-hmm. do it because mm-hmm. of their intellectual, you know, ability. Mm-hmm. Very much the opposite has been what I've found, which is there are plenty of people who could do it. They just don't want to work hard enough and they don't want to put in the extra mile. I tell you, I see it every day. I see it all the time. Uh, People, so many times people quit and they quit right before they're going to be successful. They just can't do it. We're going to take a break. Cody, we're going to take a break. And on the other side of that break, you and I are going to talk about and really start digging into some of the things you're you're doing right now. Okay? Perfect. All right. We'll be back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. 
Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The Plant Profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, fueled by Protus Global People Solutions. I'm here with my guest today, Cody Sanchez from Entourage Effect Capital. And Cody and I just had really good chat uh, talking about uh, how we met, um, how she got into journalism, why she's not into journalism, why she's now into money. And Coney, I want to move into the money conversation. And really, um, you, you're you with Entourage now, and you guys, I mean, looking at your portfolio, you've done some really terrific things, and it's very diverse, and we'll get into that. But, but you were successful. I mean, you're at Entourage because of your earlier success in money. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll get into to the entourage thing. Sure. So, you know, I, I really started in, um, I started in a very different way than traditional private equity or venture capital. So I really came in through first, I worked at Vanguard with, which was an asset management firm. And that's really where I learned, um, the underlying infrastructure of, of finance and investing, which is very important. So, you know, most of the assets in the world are actually held by uh, people like, you know, you and I. It's an amalgamation of all of our wealth. And so that's who I was tailored towards first. They call that retail in finance. And so I was focused on that segment. And then I got interested in emerging markets and I kind of wanted to come back to Latin America and I wasn't done building businesses in Latin America. So I started doing a few things in Latin America at Vanguard. And um, I learned also 
which is important, about passive investing. So that's indexes where you essentially create a basket of securities like the S&P 500, which we're all watching like crazy this week because yeah. it's plunging all over the place. Um, and, and so I learned how you construct these passive investments. And I learned basically it, it's very much like engineering. There's not very much investing prowess that goes into it. And then I realized that passive investing I thought was interesting, but maybe not the area that I was most attracted to. So I went to Goldman Sachs to learn about active investing, about investment banking, and about how the world works when you're dealing with private companies and when you're actually picking what the winners and losers you think are going to be and then giving them the lifeblood that is capital in order to fuel them. And that's what you do when you help structure an IPO or when we invest in them as a venture capital uh, or private equity group. And so at Goldman, I was really looking more at the public markets, so the stock market. And, and I thought that was fascinating, but again, I wanted to go one level deep, deeper and I wanted to, again, touch the actual businesses. And so um, I left uh, Goldman and worked at State Street. State mm -hmm. Street's, they say that State Street touches one in every $4 in the global economy. It's one of the largest wow. firms in the business. Yeah, we're talking trillions of dollars. And so um, State Street was interesting because I built up their Latin America institutional business. And so once I had gotten that experience, um, I realized that it was time to go try this entrepreneurial nonsense. And, you know, because <laughs> nonsense, I, I, you call it. Yeah, I'm a masochist, I went and did it. <laughs> Entrepreneurship is very hard. Um, so I have a lot of respect for entrepreneurs. And, and I did it in a safer way by partnering with a firm called First Trust and going to build from scratch their Latin America business. And so we did that for, you know, four or five years and grew up mm. that business to hundreds of millions and then, you know, a billion dollars. And, um, and the greatest part about entrepreneurial events is that you can combine your passion with your profit to make an impact. And it sounds super mm. cheesy, but the way that we did that was, you know, I wanted to hire uh, all Latinos. I had, you know, had this sort of traumatizing issue along the U.S.-Mexico border. And so I wanted to try to give back to those that I tried to give a voice to originally. Mm -hmm. So our group was entirely comprised of minorities and largely women. And that was okay. really rare in finance. Um, and once I had built that up to a big enough uh, business, uh, I exited that business and was looking for the next emerging market. And the next market I think could combine that purposeful profits. And that was cannabis. Mm. And here we are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah here what was I are. thinking a couple of years later? <laughs> <laughs> the world's going nuts. Yeah. So how long have you been in, in the cannabis uh, private equity space? So I made my first investment in cannabis in 2014. And okay. that's how I always recommend getting into a business first is first dip your toe before you go catapulting off a cliff. Um, sure. And so I made an investment and I seeded this company. So okay. I was one of the first investors. And at the time it was called Cresco Capital Partners. Okay. And I started to watch the industry and learn. Then I made my you know, second, third, fourth, fifth investment into individual companies in the space. Mm -hmm. And right about that time was when my business at First Trust was maturing and I was ready to make a move. Mm -hmm. And I jumped from then uh, in 2018 to public facing in entourage. And uh, instead of being behind the scenes, I actually came out publicly as being in cannabis, which was not something I was comfortable doing in 2014. And it did take me a few years to get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and 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 I would imagine the 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 whole uh, social uh, acceptance and environment changed, and and it made you more comfortable to to be out facing. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I um, I knew from working with veterans in particular, and we were mm-hmm. you know talking about. John, uh, for instance, and mm-hmm. um, and Patrick, and you know they have veteran ties also. And so mm-hmm. my my husband is actually special forces and in the oh. military. And so we oh had worked. God. Yeah, <laughs> it's not fun to do a workout with him. He's an animal. Um, so we had done a lot with veterans with PTSD, and we saw okay. the impact that cannabis could have. And even though I was really scared about what my parents would think and would this hurt future career chances and you know would people label this as opportunistic or or you know would they not like the idea of this being a quote unquote drug what i realized is you know you can't let stigma get in the way of the numbers and the numbers showed that this helped veterans less veterans committed suicide um, mm. less veterans had divorces less veterans you had to use the opioid cocktails. And so when I got comfortable with that, it opened this whole world where then I saw, wait, it helps with epilepsy. It helps with cancer patients. It helps, you know, with nausea, with, you know, people that struggle with all sorts of issues. And so that is when I really got comfortable that, yes, I knew we were going to make a lot of money in it because that's usually pretty easy to ascertain. But I really also knew that I was going to be able to sleep like a baby because this is an industry that makes a lot of sense. Again, that goes back to putting your money in a place that can do good and make you money, right? Exactly right. It's it's actually not always the easiest to find. Right. And one of the best things I think about capitalism is that, you know, your business doesn't always have to be this grandiose thing. It can be plumbing. It can be, you know, I don't know, stock markets. And as long as you're employing people and you're doing it in the right way and you're providing value and you're doing value creation and not destruction, um, you know, every business really does have some purpose behind it. Absolutely. Um, and you just have to find it. Um, I, I think that is so true. So how does Entourage and what you and your partners and that group, how does it fit what you want to do? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, first of all, I have, you know, we, there are five partners at the firm that are, um, you know, amazing. And that's one of the most important parts in any business and has been for mine is finding the right team because, you know, you're essentially married to them. Hard to be married to five people. Uh, polygamy would not be my deal. Um, and, you know, I think the best thing about the team is we are all very different. Our skill sets couldn't be more varied. Sure. And so the ability to learn from one another is really astounding. Um, for instance, one of the things that I really wanted to learn about was I saw a lot of wasted opportunity inside businesses that were not fully um, actualized, you know, Mm -hmm. that these businesses weren't efficient. They were going under, you know, employees were losing their jobs and really all they needed was the right couple of people at the helm making the right leadership decisions paired with smart financial decisions. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to learn how to do distressed and turnarounds, which is what those are called. And the funny part is, is a lot of people talk about private equity in a way that is negative. And they might say, well, you know, they take advantage of companies or they run companies into the ground or they, you know, do whatever. And in actuality, what good private equity companies do is they save companies. They save companies and they save jobs. 
Um, and so I wanted to learn how to do that. And I think there's a huge opportunity if more people know how to turn around struggling companies, then we don't have, you know, sort of these terrible sob stories. And so, um, so, uh, there were two members of the team that were really skilled at that, Tiffany and Joe. And so I learned a ton from them and we actually get to take companies off the brink and, uh, and that saved jobs, which I think is, is huge. And the other thing that I really wanted cannabis to do that we do focus on hugely is I wanted to shine a light and invest in uh, diverse humans. And so whether that was women or minorities or whether that was, you know, Republicans in a sea of Democrats or Democrats in a sea of Republicans, <laughs> whatever the case may be, um, I wanted to make sure that the people who were getting funding were as diverse as our country is, um, because that's when we get better ideas. And so I support a ton of women-owned businesses and you know um, diverse business leaders, which I think is really crucial. I, I love that. I love the idea because diversity does make us stronger. Diversity make will make us smarter, and it damn sure will make us better. So I love all of that. And we're going to take a break and we're going to come back to that and really dig into the entourage a little bit and, uh, and, and talk some about your passion. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll continue our discussions with, with Cody Sanchez from Entourage Effect Capital. This is Vern Davis, your host of Plant Profits, fueled by Protus Global People Solutions. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say, Razzie Berry, we're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the 2020 Cannabis Caucus Event Series from March 10th through March 26th. Don't miss this exclusive opportunity for NCIA members to network learn about regional issues from influential guest speakers and get the latest news about NCIA's federal policy work and emerging topics. Look for this year's only tour of Cannabis Caucus events coming to Portland, Denver, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Newark, Sacramento, and Los Angeles this March. Stay connected, get informed, and take action to protect our industry and your business. Register now for your complimentary tickets at thecannabisindustry.org slash events.
The Plant Profits are back to lead the pursuit of the promised land of plant profit. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. We're here with Cody Sanchez, partner at Entourage Effect Capital. I'm Vern Davis. This is Plant Profits, fueled by Protus Global People Solutions. And Cody, you were really putting together for me, I ask you, you know, how does Entourage affect what you want to, to be involved in? And you really laid that out very well. And, and we ended on, which I think got to some of the things you're really passionate about, because in this conversation, it has appeared a couple of times, and that is diversity, uh, women, minority involvement in, in the, the businesses, and you have your reasons for that. Let's talk more about that. I want you to finish your thought on that because uh, I think it's really important. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I think is critical is if I listed out the things that I find um, most purposeful in my life, it's certainly giving access to those that are underserved and that don't have access. And when you do that, you know, there's a selfish pursuit, which is that those people end up being super loyal to you. And they end up being incredible employees and change agents because they appreciate the hell out of the opportunity. So there's that one segment of it. Um, and But the other part is um, that so many people gave me that hand up. And it's just this beautiful effect that happens when we go round and round and we help each other. Um, so that is a huge portion of it. The only thing that I am thoughtful about these days is I feel like um, I feel like somehow diversity has been weaponized of late and it's mm. become this like us versus them situation. And that I have little to no tolerance for. So I don't think because I'm a woman or a Latina that I'm, you know, a victim or less than or against men or white men or whatever the case may be. Mm. Um, my, my mentors have been all of the best. So every time I talk about uh, diversity, I'm also very careful to say that we should do it in a way that isn't divisive and in a way where we really see people who are underserved and are helping them um, and not doing it against any other groups, which is what I see today the most. I don't know if yeah. you've ever seen, if you've seen some of that same. I, I, I have. And, and, um, and I, I really uh, respect the terminology you use weaponry um, because uh, it's the wrong thing to fight with it is the right thing to, to, uh, uh, to really uh, put your arms around. And, uh, and I think some people use it uh, totally, totally the wrong way. And I've, I've, I've seen it, I've seen it up close. And, and I tell you, and I want to talk about this for a couple of minutes, it's, it's really, how can the whole cannabis industry be better served by doing it the right way? Because I don't necessarily believe it's done necessarily the right way right Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest issues we have right now is how we do social equity, yeah. which is, you know, giving back to those that have been marginalized or, um, you know, incarcerated due to something that now people are profiting off of, which in and of itself sounds really important. But the way that they do it really just serves politicians and social justice warriors. And um, that term used to be one that I held a lot of regard for, and I don't as much anymore as somebody who has actively seen atrocities against 
you know, brown people and women. Right. Um, and, and so I think one of the things that we should be doing instead is helping employ and educate as many uh, from underserved communities as we can. Dropping somebody who, you know, was formerly incarcerated, doesn't have formal education, doesn't have access to capital, and doesn't have a network that allows for access to capital, and saying that they now own 51% of businesses that are hugely complex to run, to me, really only helps maybe one person, right? Each leader that is given this 51% opportunity and doesn't actually help serve the community by giving people what they really want, which is purposeful jobs and a progression in purposeful jobs that they're skilled at, not lottery tickets. And that is what what our government wants is to give out lottery tickets and not teach people. And I hate that. Yeah, it's it's wrong. And and, and, And you articulated it in a way Cody, it's it, when you say it, it sounds so simple, but somehow we get really, really so twisted. I, I have just thoroughly enjoyed our chat today. Right and, back at you. Uh, absolutely, and we got to continue talking. So I'll, I'll get, I'll get with you, and we'll, we'll spend some time together and see what we can do good together. Yeah, perfect. Uh, we'll have a little coffee chat over here. <laughs> I will definitely do that for for sure. Uh, thank you all thank for, you for joining us today. Uh, I've spent some terrific time with Cody Sanchez here of Entourage Effect Capital. And you can get Cody at, at Cody Sanchez on Twitter and Instagram at Cody Sanchez, one word. Uh, and you can you can find her there, and uh, maybe you can talk to Cody, and and get some thoughts. But I really want to thank you all for joining us here. You can download episodes of Plant Profits by going to cannabisradio.com, or you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all the special places you get your podcasts. We're there. Follow Protus Global People Solutions through our social networks, including LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are everywhere. And finally, learn more about how we are building companies and changing people's lives at ProtusGlobal.com. That's P-R-O-T-I-S Global.com. Until next time, this is Vern Davis, your host, Plant Profits, fueled by Protus Global People Solutions. Cheers. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.